Hello, this is not Christopher Walken, and you're listening to The Sassors with Pete and Jamie, two guys that put cow in cowbell, and ooh, got a special guest today, I'm all a quiver! Hi, this is Bill Rosino, CFO, CEO of Spins, and you're listening to The Sassos. So, sit back, relax, pour yourself a glass of champagne, and enjoy the show! All right, welcome to Sassos, the podcast, a podcast with me, Pete and Jason. Guys, say hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> talk hi. Hi. My, talk me, about me, everything me, and anything me. is software as a service, hence the name Sassos. We also bring on guests all the time, and today we're very excited to bring on a guest, Bill Rosino, who's CFO of Spins, which is here locally in Chicago. We know a bunch of people over there. In fact, we have a podcast that will never be heard uh, with Rosemary because Pete forgot to hit the uh, record button. But anyways, Bill is on now. Bill, say hey. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Long, yeah. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> um bill being a longtime listener knows and you know you can take off your headset here so uh before we listen once again like us subscribe to us this episode is brought to you by neuro noodle get a doodle of your noodle a brain map uh, to find out why you have the symptoms you do mention the sass holes and receive 50 percent off neuronoodle.com mention jamie carney and get five percent off Okay, so now on to the joke of the day. Pete. Arnie. Yes, Pete. I ordered a chicken and an egg online. I'll let you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, leave us some comments, please, on our blog and tell us how bad uh, Pete was at that joke. Uh-huh. I knew that joke was coming and still laughed. Still, it's funny. It's funny. Do you get All it, right. James? You get it, right? I get it. I, I do. The chicken email, the email, Carney. Um, did you get the chicken the before the egg? <laughs> Still thinking. All right, so shout outs, Pete. Let's get into some shout outs. Let's get this over with. All right. Ian Mays starting a new position as senior sales executive at Clarence Jobs. He's working his job board circuit. He's doing a great job. Who else do you have there, Karnak? I got Brendan Kreshank. Um but mine, uh, Crushank Redemption. Yeah, Crushank Redemption. He uh, he's been a, a emissary uh, emissary dot uh, uh, AI for three years, which is a texting recruiting software. Um, you know, he's just telling me today that he he's been able to really step in uh, when Text Recruit exited uh, their own business and worked with, or uh, exclusively with Isims because Isims bought them. So, uh, give him a shout out. He's one of the guys that started that up. And uh, big Syracuse orange men or orange, I guess, only uh, alumni. On to Adeli Eli Resort Lagore. One of those names is the right one. She got married. She started off the street with me in inside sales, and now she's the regional vice president of sales, service cloud at Salesforce. Way to go, Adeli Eli Resort Lagore. Please email with the correct pronunciation. Thank you. I have no shout outs today. No shout outs. 
How about Rosemary Hafner uh, just completing her course on how to win friends and influence people? Yeah, and being on the podcast, you forgot to about record. Time. We have the best four minutes of our lives spent with Rosemary. Yeah, well, four minutes was recorded. I think we spent a good hour. We talked about Buffalo and and, yeah. and all of that stuff, but no when, one can hear it. All right, now, at, Pete, when I was the at, news? Hey, Jamie, Jamie, yeah. when I was at Outmatch, I did a podcast with Rosemary, and I hit record on that bad boy. So if anybody wants to hear it, they can probably go to Outmatch.com and, and find the podcast. It's great. We had a great time doing it. Awesome. Did they have enough storage for it? <laughs> Still there? We had to All cut right. it down. <laughs> All right, let's blow through the news of the day or news, whatever you want to call it. News dot, 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 Pete, since I'm reading your notes. Oh, you got that? No, it's okay. Good. How about Bezos stepping down? Que pasa? What's up with yeah. that? Finance yeah, guys. That, who knows? A lot of the conspiracy theories out there think he's part of the deep state oh really right just just thought i'd throw it out there maybe we can get some more listeners <laughs> I, I could just hear the x button being clicked <laughs> or is that your <laughs> wi-fi it was my wi-fi so what you, a guy uh taking over he was there since 97 right so i guess it's going to be okay i doubt he's left. been running day-to-day operations for a good five to ten years Oh, yeah, the complexity, the complexity of that business is just uh, exponentially, you know, catapulted the last, call it 10 years with AWS yeah. and all the other businesses they're in. You know, think about the, what he started versus what it is now and yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I would doubt that he, that he totally steps away, though. I mean, I, I interviewed for a job at Amazon and was, and was told that, like, that guy is daily in almost every marketing meeting. Like, you just start your meeting and then he walks. And so I would be surprised if he's out, you know, of the daily operations totally. I'm sure there's some things that he's particularly passionate about. Yeah, so so you're saying he's, he's not going to be in one of those trucks driving around? Yeah. He may be. Oh, undercover no. boss. Yeah, undercover <laughs> boss. If anyone's watching Undercover Billionaire, by the way, it's amazing. I highly recommend it. It's where these guys that are, they're not billionaires. Like uh, Cardone is worth like $250 million. They have $100 in pocket and they get dropped off in a location they have no connections with and a phone that is not connected to anybody. And they can't let anyone know who they are. And they're, they got to, in 90 days, uh, create a business worth a million dollars to sell it. It's pretty sounds fascinating. Like my, sounds like some of our early days at Career Builder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these guys are sleeping in car. There's one Cardone somehow negotiated sleeping in a uh, an RV lot to do security, so he didn't have to spend any money, and he's sleeping in an RV. Yeah, Ferrara Rara got the Super Bowl this Sunday. Budweiser pieced out. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're. I thought they were. what were they doing? They were like donating some time or something. They were they were doing something with donating. their money that was not uh, advertising. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, more strategic use of funds. I think that's how you guys, uh, you spinsters, uh, say. Yeah, I think the real issue is that they're not having trouble selling beer right now. So why advertise, right? People are drinking beer. Or in your case, that's seltzer, home. right? You're a seltzer guy, right? Like a white claw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me tell you, the first time I came in contact with the white claw, I had like three in an hour before I realized that 
they hey, had wait a alcohol minute. in them. I thought I thought I should probably not have another one of these. <laughs> At work. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't had one since. So is the uh, Super Bowl worth it to advertise anymore? I'm just asking. I know a company I used to. It's the only. It's yeah. the only. Um, advertising medium that you can reach that many people still to this day i mean so it's way too expensive you get a ton of coverage before and after i mean it isn't it isn't just you know your 30 seconds or a minute it is weeks before and and possibly weeks after depending on the performance of the ad or years if you do it really well kerbalder still gets buzz for their monkey commercials that's right you're saying you get your money back all right any b2b advertisers we can think of that are in it this year um, I mean, Uber I Eats is in it. Would you call that B two B? I mean, it's it's them to B two B to C. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, they're, they're in it. Old. They got Wayne's World. I just saw the YouTube uh, like prequel of it. It's Wayne's World talking about local restaurants and buy local. It's pretty funny if you remember the Wayne's World uh, plugging when they had the Pepsi can and uh, all the uh, shameless plugging that they did in the movie. They do it in the commercial. It's pretty funny. You know, I think the other thing about, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't have network television anymore, so I can't watch a Super Bowl unless I go to somebody else's house. So the other thing about Super Bowl ads is the, what they're doing with them online. Right. So now I can, I could go watch them all today. I don't even need to, I don't even need to watch the Super Bowl to see yeah. the ads. So I think that's another interesting. Are you just trying to stay off the grid there? Do you have electricity in it and all this stuff or. Um, I do have electricity. Yeah. <laughs> Although I wasn't his car a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to get the signal right into the Honda Pilot. So I don't, uh, it's a little difficult. What brand car seat do you use? (laughs) Standard issue right off the line at at Honda. All right. So why don't we get into, I know um, you got one other thing down here, but I think we've taken a lot of time. Why don't we get into our main topic? Because I know Bill, you're on the. Oh, hold on, hold on, Ferrara. He's he's the uh, the, the news guy. The he's, let's call it three he's weeks the dead, in a row. He's death. the death. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Deadpool. three weeks in a row. So, well, we didn't we didn't talk about um, uh, what I had written in the notes. There is uh, Cicely Tyson passed away, right? So very very famous um, actor and incredibly influential uh, presidential. Uh, you know, Medal of Freedom uh, winner and uh, award recipient, lots of awards, lots of um, just really, really famous people really appreciated her. She was very uh, outspoken for for um, uh, social justice and, and African-American rights. And I think it's important that we just recognize her. And, and that's a that's a that's an important thing. So. I didn't know you wrote that in. I apologize. I thought Pete was going to uh, move on. So anyways, let's move on to our main topic. So we got Bill Rosino. CEO and CFO of Spins. Which is the bigger title, by the way? What's that? When you go to like a party, if you went to a party, are you a COO or CFO? Which which comes first? You know, it depends on my mood and whether I'm having White Claw or Budweiser. But um... <laughs> wait, which, then which one? Which one's attributed to which? White Claw yeah. is. I think the Budweiser is clearly the CFO gig. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Have a nap. <laughs> All right. Um, so Bill's on here. We're going to talk about the budgeting process, the negotiations that happen 
typically before the budget even gets into the uh, anyone's hands um, and, and and behind the scenes sort of look at, at what happens there, uh, as well as like quota setting and, and, and things of that nature. And we thought we talked about quota setting. So they know, they understand how that works so that it's not just, we're trying to, the man's trying to uh, screw the rep and give them a huge quota and make sure they don't hit it. That's not the goal. Um, but I thought we'd talk about all that, but before, you know, Bill, I know you started off the, uh, the podcast before we were really going, why don't you give us a little background about spins if you want to, and, and about uh, the news that you sent with us today about the new investor and stuff like that. Uh, and Bill's so, background too. He's been around the block and Bill's background. Yeah. We all know him from career builder. I know Bill from before career builder when he was working for Bridget, uh, Kenny. Uh, at Bridget Kinney, is that it? Yeah. At uh, Tribune interactive. So I was working at that time in finance at career builder and we were working on Sarbanes Oxley, if you remember. Um, yeah, there, there was a shout out right there to Bridget Kenny, yeah. um, who was who was a great uh, great mentor of mine and, and um, great supporter of Career Builder back in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thanks thanks again for having me, guys. Um, I think um, I won't go all the way back to the beginning uh, of my my short life. I've only been on this planet for you know twenty some odd years, but um, I did work with you guys at Career Builder, which was a pure joy. And it's awesome to kind of be back uh, together talking to you now. Um, but before Career Builder, I, I spent some time at some larger companies where, you know, from a budgeting forecasting process standpoint, you learn a lot about if you have the resources and you have the complexity some of these larger companies have, kind of how that might look and what you might, some of the elements you might aspire towards. So uh, Leo Burnett was a company I spent some time at, uh, multi-billion dollar Chicago um, ad agency. I was in the interactive division there. Kind of my whole career, I focused on technology. Uh, then went to, to Tribune, which is a large um, advertising media, co- sorry, large media company. Uh, was in there, was a CFO of their interactive division, which uh, was one of the founders of CareerBuilder, one of the founders oh. of cars.com, one of the founders of apartments.com. And so I got to work with those businesses and got to see, you know, kind of uh, things from both the big company side and then also the startup side. And uh, that's where I first met Jamie and some other folks. Um, very cool to think back to that, Jamie. What was that, like 2004? We were out in Bryn Mawr. Yeah, it was 2003, I think. Yeah, right? okay. That's hilarious. But uh, it's almost 20 years. And uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of think back to, you know, the business that Career Builder was then, uh, business the Tribune was then, right? Mm-hmm. Multi-billion dollar company. Now it's not so much. Uh, no. The whole media landscape is flipped upside down. Uh, and, and so... You know, Caribler early days, you know, I, I joined uh, to shore up some of the uh, growth pains they were having. Uh, I joined as controller and, um, you know, the, the foundation of any kind of budget or forecast is really just uh, rock solid blocking and tackling accounting. I have this, um, I have this Maslow kind of hierarchy of scale uh, that I use with my teams. And the very bottom of that pyramid is, you know, rock bulletproof accounting, you know. Uh, and from there, you kind of grow it up, uh, you know, things along the way include like, uh, you know, uh, one source of truth, uh, cultural buy-in, uh, people, process and technology kind of filters all across the pyramid in terms of the things you need to work on to achieve scale. Uh, but so my background, technology, uh, accounting, finance, uh, went, went to DePaul in Chicago, uh, worked my way through school. Uh, went to Kellogg, uh, similar to some other folks on this call, Jason, 
Um, and um, go cats, go cats. And um, you know, basically, uh, last couple of years have been working in smaller technology companies that have been SaaS focused. Uh, work work for a, a marketing software company called Cheetah Digital. Um, stood them up as part of a carve out that was backed by private equity from Experian. Uh, they were in 17 countries, 1,700 employees, kind of stood them up on their own with their own people, processes, and technology so that they could uh, continue to scale. Uh, joined um, Spins uh, just a little over two years ago uh, and was kind of, um, you know, given the similar task of uh, setting up Spins to scale. Uh, Spins, you know, uh, has been around for a long time. Uh, the last 10 or so years, uh, revenue has been growing at a CAGR of uh, 25% or more. Um, and what, what happens in that situation is you start to double. And so you double a few times over that 10-year period. Before you know it, you're not a 20 or $30 million business anymore. You're over $100 million. And you're in a completely different sort of ballpark in terms of what the business needs. And the things that people had been doing to keep customers happy and the lights on uh, really involved a lot of elbow grease, a lot of heroes, as they like to say, in the technology industry. Uh, and that doesn't scale as well. And so, um, you know, we hired a whole new executive team running the gamut from kind of chief commercial officer, chief people officer, Rosemary Hafner, uh, Jason Lovelace, uh, myself as uh, CFO, COO, uh, CTO. All those roles got filled with folks who are familiar about with how to build scale through people process technology. And so SPINS, by the background, um, uh, a data technology company that's focused on the wellness industry. Uh, we provide data to food brands and to retailers to help them understand how to stock their sh what to stock on their shelves and what to uh, produce. And at the end of the day, you know, our mission is sort of all about trying to put better for you products, more of them in front of uh, more people. Um, so we give our brands and retailers the data to do that. Well, I mean, that's interesting. You guys just got a round of, uh, of funding. And the, the, how many rounds of funding have you been involved in since you've been there now? Since I've been at Spins, just this, just this one. Oh, um, this is just the one. Yeah, okay. and so it's to be honest, you know, it's it's a uh, this company has always been profitable uh, and um, has grown profitably, largely funded, mm -hmm. you know, from that. Uh, th this this funding um, really has come about as a result of you know wanting to get Spins to the next level, bring some some uh, some excellent partners that you know have a lot of experience growing companies like ours. Uh, you know, doubling and tripling them again. You get to a certain size, and I think the doubling and tripling becomes a little more challenging, and you have to be very strategic about how you do it. And these partners that we brought on in this last round, I think, are going to be great for that. Bill, what what the hell is Spins? Where did the name come from? How do you tie oh, that the, into? Yeah, the name isn't necessary. So the, the name is is really well known in the industry. In the industry, yeah. okay. Yeah. So we're not changing it. But the okay. name has nothing to do with what we do, or okay. it doesn't have any particular, it's based on the, so, so the company was founded like in the 90s, um, okay. and it was, it was kind of intended to be a bit of an internet.com darling. Uh, that didn't work out. You know, the kind of, the, the CEO founder, uh, you know, sort of bought it out of the ashes of that. The original founder the name was, I believe, Spence, and it was Spence Information Spence. Systems, and I think it became Spins. And that's it. You know, and, and, and having partners or PE firms invest in a company, I think a lot of people think, especially uh, people at CareerBuilder might think poorly of that because of, there's different types of investments from PE firms. Some that's PE right. firms go in there and try to tear you apart. 
and and saw and and that same PE firm might invest in another company as a high growth type of uh, thing. I've been involved in the PE side since Kerbalder, Um, And I can tell you for a fact that when we have a new PE investor for the company I work for, um, it typically means they want growth. They want to grow this thing. They want to gas it. And what they want to do is bring some sort of different fundamental view of how they look at the business and how they think they can gaslight your uh, model. For sure, and it changes by uh, by each of these PE firms. The ones I'm with now is all focused on quota setting and QAM, but budget comes down to the very beginning of all of these. They want to look at the budget because a lot of times they made their valuation based on certain numbers uh, that you may or may not hit. So why don't we get started there? So you know, being the CFO, your behind the scenes uh, look at, in your opinion, when does the budgeting process start? When do the negotiations start, and 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 how do we get how do we get to where we're where we're at when it comes to December January where we're sort of rounding the uh, um, the circles around where we're going to end up? Yeah, you know, um, just going back to what you just said, you know, I think you I, I've heard you say this on another podcast, Jamie, just to prove I listen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it depends on the business too, right? So if you've got um, a business that's struggling and an investor comes in it's more of a turnaround. And, you know, like, like we've seen that situation where an investor comes in and they're trying to actually uh, optimize what, what's left of a bad market situation uh, and they'll make money, but it may not be pretty. Um, there's that type of investor. And then there's growth equity investors who come in and they see a situation that, as you said, you know, needs, needs a little more uh, gas in the tank and they'll be strategic about how you're gonna get to that next stage of growth. Uh, and they'll provide the funding to be able to do that. And so I think that latter situation is the one that, you know, we all want to be in. And um, uh-huh. I think, and, you know, it's, it's, it's growth equity is kind of the way I like to think of it. Um, but there's so many different flavors, right? Um, the budgeting process, you know, kind of, I like to think it should ideally be on the back of a strategic process. And so, you know, as, as, and it's, 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 it varies by the size of company because this all sounds great. And the, the reality is, you know, uh, if you're a startup or if you're a five, 10, 20, $30 million company, chances are uh, you're doing the best you can just to kind of close the books, have a budget, uh, forecast cash, meet, meet payroll, all those things are the priority. As you get a little bit larger, more sophisticated, ideally what you'd like to have is a multi-year kind of strategic plan uh, that's really uh, taking a look at your TAM, uh, your 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 um products that are currently and by the way for those is total addressable market just needed to call that out for some people that are listening go ahead thank thanks for that like me yeah like me who couldn't remember what it meant but knows what it is (laughs) um and so i think i think you know you look at when you look at your tam you look at sort of your product set their penetration within that tam uh and you're thinking about your strategic plan and sort of how you're going to increase your penetration and how you're going to grow your business um, the budget needs to be very informed by that. And so that, that's the ideal scenario. And, um, you know, ideally you're going to be updating sort of your, your strategic planning and sort of going on every day, I think at certain levels of the, of the business. Um, and so it's not too early to be thinking about your budget for the next year in the summer. And so, you know, historically more call it mature organizations, and you could define that by size or age, um, but, you know, the ones that are, you know, more woke, uh, are, are going to be thinking about it in the summer. And uh, the idea would be that 
you would then start with target setting. Um, you know, so what, what growth rates, what, what products, what's the performance year to date for like the first call it six to eight months of the year? Uh, what growth hits are we seeing across products and segments of our business? And then what investments have we been making to drive those growth rates further? What challenges do we see that are causing some of those growth, rate, growth rates to be under pressure? Try to then factor all those things into targets for the following year for revenue by product, uh, for cost of revenue, for OPEX, for EBITDA. Um, and then that target setting process is sort of just a socialization of, hey, executive team, here's what we're thinking. Here are the assumptions we're using for the target setting. It's all top down, right? And it's based on our strategy. It's based on our, our results today. Then you get feedback. We start a feedback loop with those folks to kind of socialize that information and try, try to come up with a better version of that top down based on the information you get kind of also still high level top down, but you're at least talking to the people who are in, in customer success and what it is they think they need to do to improve retention. Talking to the people in product development and finding out what they need to do to deliver on the next set of, um, of, of iterations of, of products that are gonna drive the success. Talking to the people um, on the sales side about, you know, hey, what does the funnel look like? And, you know, and, and where, where are we on kind of driving new leads and do we need to make different types of investments um, and come up with your targets. So and that's when it starts, uh, I would say, is kind of late, late, mid to late summers when it starts. Targets should be pretty well agreed upon by September and then you get rolling. Yeah, I think I feel like um, resource planning occurs all year round, actually, and the strategy is all year round. You yeah. just start locking in numbers probably by September. Um, but I feel like the entire time, you know, at my company right now, every week we are discussing strategy and, and what's going to happen at the end of this year and what's going to happen for the next two years. Uh, totally agree. Out that one. Uh, Jason, yeah. you had a question, I think, right? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've got a, I got a bunch, so I don't want to overwhelm you, Bill, with questions. I guess um, two, two things I was thinking of. You started to mention the other groups in a, in a company, so. Who, who gives inputs to that, to that process, right? And I, so I've been at companies where um, the, the functional teams have some inputs and I've also been at companies where, hey, guess what? Here's, here's the money you get, right? So, so help us understand like the inputs to that, specifically who are those people who have those inputs? And then I guess the second question that came to mind was, is budgeting this for this next year or this next cycle, you know, different because of COVID and, and what does that mean with with past company performance? Who, who the hell can count on 2020 for any decent number? You know, that, that sort of thing. So to those yeah. two questions. Yeah, let me let me back up one step to something Jamie said that just was an important reminder of the first. So, um, you know, the, the from my perspective, um, there's a there's a three way integration of kind of the accounting information that we get every month, the budget, which we do once a year. And so the budget is like, it's totally stale by like next week, right? And so the 2020 budget is gonna be like old news next week. And we're yeah. gonna close January. And what we will do to replace that budget is we will create a forecast for the rest of the year. And so we do a one month actual 11 month uh, forecast that is you know kind of another version of the budget, if you will. 
but the budget always stays the budget. There's like three sort of different dimensions of financial information in the year. There's your actuals, which are your actuals. There's your budget, which is one point in time that you kind of signed up to do. It's what you promised you would do to your board and your owners. So you're, you're going to probably have bonuses tied to that number. That number never changes your budget. Your forecast changes every month. And that's just to let everybody know, hey, here's where we think we're trending towards our budget. And so uh, just wanted to put that all in context in terms of how I think well-run companies should, should think about the budget forecast versus actions. Um, but your, your question in terms of like the people who are involved depends on the, the phase of the process for the budget. Um, we, we ideally get every sort of cost manager involved. So like if you're, a, if you're at the manager level or director level and you're responsible for a P&L, whether it's revenue or costs or both either, um, we're going to be speaking with you on a monthly basis to update the forecast. Uh, we're going to be talking to you probably a little bit more in depth um, in the fall during the budget process to kind of understand, um, you know, what, what your thoughts are for next year. Um, the, the COVID impact, you know, in my business varied. Um, it's, it's been overall, uh, we had some disruptions early on, uh, call it March, April of last year, where, um, our customers and our partners were all trying to keep their employees safe and keep right. uh, supply chains open. Mm -hmm. uh, once they solved for a number of those things, um, things more or less got back to so-called normal um, and demand for in-home in um, food consumption is through the roof, as you know. Yeah. And so a lot of our customers are, are, are doing very well. Um, and so that's kind of translated to our business. The, the changes for us, though, uh, have been, you know, we don't have any T&E, really. Our office expenses are down. Yeah. Uh, you know, th those things have kind of been adjusted for. Um, knowing when they're going to come back, uh, how we how we market to our customers. Um, you know, there's two large kind of um, expos that occur in the food industry. You know, those haven't been operating, obviously. And so that, that's affected how we go to market. And, you know, we've so adjusting to sort of like, okay, well, previously we got a lot of leads and information from those types of events. From a marketing standpoint, as you know, Jason, that's that's important. Yeah. Uh, how do we how do we now go around the old process and create new ones? And um, we've been pretty successful doing that. Um, you know, and I, I can't really. The only explanation I can say is that you know there's just a fundamental demand for our product as our customers are having to continue to um, to deal with their outstrip demand. Right. Oh, My sorry, take on that ahead. question, though, Jason, is yeah. Um, I, the company I was that was impacted by COVID just because of the delay. It wasn't impacted anything, but everything was delayed. So we measured ourselves against 2019. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how we said, you know, 2020 is a wash. We know probably the first quarter of 2021 is going to be a little rough, especially we're a global company. And we have uh, a lot in EMEA um, and they're in extreme lockdowns that we sort of pushed conservativeness in Q1, but we compared ourselves to 2019 more than 2020. Yeah. yeah. Similarly, we're looking at like Q3 and Q4, mm -hmm. particularly as it relates to quota setting. Yeah. And Bill, do you think anybody's gotten like, so, so you talked about like the two big expos that didn't happen. I mean, I, I happen to know how expensive that kind of stuff is. Cause I do that. Um, has anybody gotten comfortable with the idea that, Oh, wait, we don't have to spend that money. So guess what? We're not going to spend that money or, or is from a budgeting perspective, you know, if I'm thinking about the listeners to the show, you know, what can they expect in terms of the, the funding of their 
part of the business? You know, is this just like, well, we did it without, you know, the last six months of 2020, so you could do without forever. Yeah, there's, I think it's, it's along the same vein as sort of like office space, uh, if you will. Um, And, you know, we're, we're, we're doing without that. There's a recognition that when it comes to teaming and culture, that we still need to bring that back. Uh, but it will not, probably not be the same as it was. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the expos might be a similar type of thing. In our industry, however, though, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating because they use these expos to taste new food. Right. And so, um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. I don't think anyone's expecting them to go away. Um, it, it could be though that you, you rethink how many people you need to spend, send and spend and how you go about it. You know, I'm sure there's going to be some learnings, um, but it's not going to go They're away. Probably, wouldn't you think it'd be probably one of the last things to come back because you're not going to go to an expo when no one's going to the expo. Yeah. I mean, right? how are you going to get 10,000 people to an expo yeah. again? Ever? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, so that, that seems like it's going to be a tough one. Pete, it looks like you have a, a comment or a question. Yeah, I do, because I got a couple finance guys, and I'm the sales guy of the group. Let's just say COVID isn't happening, but this always happens with you finance people. I'm a sales guy. It's February 4th. Why the hell don't I know what my quote is? What's going Uh, on? Yeah, good idea. Good 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 point. It's usually because you're manager. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm proud to say that the the spin sales team do, do know what their quotas are. Uh, we, we were able to get those out in January first, you know, for first to, to your point, probably the first yeah. time ever. Hey, um, I got it. Can I do the same first time ever? I got all the flex Sarah, uh, comp plans out last week. Nice. Um, you seem pretty defensive, Carney. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I took it. Oh, I took ownership to, to, of it. And to, we today, got it out. junior. So what's going on? You got is it an EBITDA thing or you know? Oh, I don't want to commit now to this number. Okay, let's wait till April and we'll give the 2021 numbers up. What is going on? Just between it, us, guys. It's funny. It's 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 a great question. Uh, I don't know if you're going to like my answer. Finance people to a sales guy, a sales leader, a very accomplished sales leader, by the way, who's, who's, uh, has my respect and admiration. Is, is, You're, already on, yeah, You're already on the show. You're already on the show. But I'm editing. Before, before, I, before I go on to say that, you know, probably over the years is guilty of asking for a lot of changes to sales comp plans. And so, uh-huh. uh, you know, I think that there's all, every year there's a new flavor, right? That, you know, mm-hmm. hey, well, what if we, you know, I don't want to necessarily penalize folks for cancels. I don't want them to have to resell the things that are ad hoc. Um, I, I don't, you know, shouldn't it be, you know, shouldn't, why should his quota be penalized for this or that? Or, it's and, you know, not so there's, fair. Usually, there's usually a fair amount of that going on. And that was the case this year for us too. We, we made some changes to the, to the plans. Rarely have I ever seen comp plans get rolled out exactly the way they worked the prior year. And so what ends up happening is you have to then model the if this, then that type of impacts of the changes you want to make. And then you've got to make sure that it's going to all make sense and hold together. Um, that takes a little bit of time, I think. Um, we've already usually baked the numbers. Um, there's just a question then of understanding, you know, what our what our coverage is and whether or not we're going to, you know, how much how much of a gap there is between, you know, the budget and quota, the quota should obviously exceed the budget. Last minute sort of thinking around, 
you know, uh, based on the talent we have, the number of heads we have to fill, the ramp that we're going to experience filling those heads, recalibrating all that stuff in the month of January too takes time. Yeah. And, um, you know, the more seasoned the, sa- the, the, the sales leader, the more seasoned the finance team, the quicker it gets done. But if you don't have, you know, if one of those elements are missing, you, you see these delays. And I certainly have been guilty of not being seasoned in this, sure. not, not expecting the changes to the plans, the complexities that ensued. Uh, but that, fair that's enough, my fair opinion. enough. Yeah. It's also, there's, think- a thing, there's a thing out there called the QAM that a lot of people use. It's called QAM, Quota Allocation Model. Yep. It's the model that sets everyone's quota so that you know you have enough quota on the street to fulfill your budgetary needs with an over-assign that is either set by your uh, CRO, CFO, CEO, yep. or the uh, executives. Uh, wait, that is, is a that, living document. Wait, hold on. Is that the model where the board gives you a number and then what do you call QAM? Is that also fudge or pack? You add no, a number that's as where you, you pass actually, it on a different... Well, no, that's where you actually set the quotas, right? So the biggest problem, some of the delays that could occur before you actually deliver the quota statements is if three um, or four, let's say, senior sales guys that are carrying full quota quit. If they quit, you're going to have to redo your quota and your qualm, and you might have to raise everyone else's quota to make sure you have, uh, you know, the amount of allocation out there in the market to hit the number that you want, especially when you're, and, and so I live in the qualm. I mean, I, we're up, we do weekly qualm calls for uh, this year and next year. So James, you raised with your earlier, executives. you know, I think it is really important to not give, you know, you want to, you want the quota to, to feel like it's, it's, it's doable. Uh, you want it, you want people to feel like they can win. Um, to me, that's a huge priority, and I know that probably goes against, um, you know, what some folks have experienced in different places. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, if there's someone who's left, I definitely don't want to cram that down on the people who are still there. I want to go replace the person who's left, and I'm going to have to figure out a way to, to deal with the ramp time and just readjust kind of the timing of the bookings within the year. Um, and, you know, hopefully you know, my, my gap revenue could suffer, and maybe my ARR won't. Uh, maybe my bookings won't. AR for those people at home is annualized recurring revenue. So it's ACV, but recurring ACV. Uh, ACV is annual contract value. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And sometimes depending on your sales cycle is really where it comes into play. Because if you have a long sales cycle, you're going to have to possibly just push the quote on to people. If you have a smaller sales cycle, you can maybe hire to replace those, those vacancies. But it does, it becomes a big problem. Uh, the goal with all sales reps, Pete, when you write the plan, is two thirds win, one third doesn't. And well, I didn't hear Rosino say that. That's a healthy plan, in my opinion. If you're not going to have that's that, the you want, that's like that the minimum. You think, Bill? Okay. Yeah. But if you don't, if, but if you if you go below that, the people that win, the only reason why you keep people is that the people win are making ridiculous money. Then you can you can deal with you know, maybe only 30% winning and 70% not because that 30% has life-changing money on their, uh, uh, you know, at their fingertips and the other people want to stay and, and hopefully hit a home run the next year. Do you guys think pay at risk will go away? Everybody gets a salary. What's the market wage? You get it. Uh, when you have pay at risk, you're saying that uh, success is optional. That sounds like socialism. So I guess it's here. I didn't mean it's to get the market political. wage. 
I don't think it will, unless I'm misunderstanding the, the question or the concept, but, you know, because it's like, you know, it's, that's not the case for the executive team. That's not the case for any of the leadership kind of within most companies. You, you've got some pay at risk associated with how the company does, associated with how you do relative to uh, goals and objectives. There's always some pay at risk. The, um, on the sales side, you know, that, that's where it's kind of most directly tied to your actions. Um, you can argue about whether your quote is fair or unfair. You could, you know, so I don't yeah. think it'll go away. No, I don't think so either. Who hates uh, sales more, marketing or finance? Uh, this is a really good question you brought up because I was, I, I, Pete, I was honestly just about to say, you know what nobody does is give, I swear to God, is give finance the, the credit that there is a whole bunch of knowledge about the business there. And you the marketing team doesn't know that. No, nobody knows that, right? The marketing team doesn't know it. And the sales team doesn't know it. So they all get pissed off at finance. And the answer is there are all these analysts and all these people who know a whole bunch about the business and nobody ever asks them. So anyway, I guess two, two things for you, Bill, to respond to. But that was really funny that, that Pete just asked that. How often do you beat your puppy, Bill? Um, <laughs> your puppy? It's a very loaded question, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I think, I think um, in a... In a healthy organization, I hope that that's true in either case. Um, and that, you know, you can, you can partner with, with one another. I haven't had, I mean, to be honest, even at Caribler, I, I didn't have that experience. I think there was always healthy tension. Um, but, you know, and I, and I, gave, I didn't have that experience. And maybe even I worked with, but um, I think the, the key is making sure there's transparency, which it sounds like based on some of the questions, maybe there isn't always transparency around, okay, well, how do we reach these, these, these quotas and then how, how does the plan work and how will, how do you win? And so, you know, uh, for me, uh, it's really important to look at past history. And so we'll, we'll, we'll then, we will adjust that based on certain factors if we need to um, either in the salesperson's favor or not. And so COVID year is a great example. So like, as I said before, Q3 and Q4 bookings for us, we, we actually had two, two really good quarters in the last half of the year. We kind of took those, we averaged the whole year, we looked at the last half, which is a little higher, the whole year is a little lower. We kind of took something in the middle, kind of by team and by rep to set the quota going into 2021 in terms of what was expected. So for example, you know, if in the last half folks were killing it and they were, you know, uh, top reps were doing a million and a half uh, on an annualized basis. But then if you looked at the annual number, it was more like 700. Uh, based on the first two quarters, you know, we came in somewhere around a million. The idea being there that, you know, we don't expect you to, to have record-breaking, you know, numbers again um, until you show us that's the case. Uh, we're going to come in somewhere in the middle. And so, you know, showing them the actual data to say, hey, you know, here's how we came up with your number. And then having that, an opportunity to have a conversation with them about that, I think is, is critical. Jason, Bill, I believe you had a couple questions, right? Well, I was, I was just thinking like, Bill, the way that I've started to use finance teams more and more too is, is just help with making sense of some of the analysis that needs to be, needs to be done within marketing, right? We, I mean, most of the marketing teams I've been on, we didn't have analysts on the team, right? We weren't big enough companies to make that a, a specific job. But there was always somebody in finance who, whose time we could use a little bit of to understand the, what's going on in the, in the business, either with like you mentioned leads and things like that, or sales from a product perspective. So 
you know, how, how do you, what's your thought around how you support the teams in, in doing that? You know, just knowing that there are a bunch of people who understand that analysis there. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's a great point. I think that's critical. So, you know, you're going to have sort of folks who are dedicated to FP&A and folks who are dedicated to accounting um, and the folks on the, you know, and I think you're going to get help from both sides of that. Um, but oftentimes the FP&A folks are the ones that are working with marketing on a monthly basis to understand, um, you know, what their spend looks like, how that's comparing to what was in the budget and updating the projection. And then questions will come out, like you said, of those conversations that happen regularly every month. And so uh, you'll have a dedicated kind of analyst uh, who will, will walk you through that and will be your partner to kind of um, help you understand that stuff. I think it's critical um, because otherwise, you know, I think, each, and whether it's marketing, whether it's uh, engineering, whether it's product, success, sales, or whether it's a particular sort of uh, line of business that's delivering products um, on a daily basis, um, you've got to have that finance partner. And so I make a point of, you know, having that FP&A function kind of be an FP&A slash ops function that, you know, works across all those teams and understands how they, uh, what their bread and butter is understands what they care about, understands what their goals are, and then um, is really in a great position to answer tough questions and do analysis when it comes up. Yeah, that, that's really great. And, and I think, you know, I have said this a couple of times in, in this session, but for, for people like early in their careers or in very specific like niche jobs in a company, you lose sight of how interconnected everybody is, you know, and, and so I think it's important to remember, because Pete's question is really a good one, which is, why, why are we sort of butting heads over things when the reality is we got to be connected on all these things? Yeah. It's easy to forget, I think, that fine, you know, sales and marketing typically on a different floor or not even in the same location as a finance team, right? And so um, everybody's connected. And, and I think that's an important thing for, for people to remember. Yeah. And by the way, Pete, if I get wind of any of my people hating sales, I, they're gone. Yeah. Unless, well, unless it's sales versus Pete, right? Yeah, then, it's, then, then they get passed. Then they get a pass. Hey, you know, I test. I, I get test. it. I test. Really good to and see you guys. Pete, cue the music, whatever this music's going to be. And the, oh, and we'll the, see. Uh, we got special music. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, guys. Turn your head and cough. Uh, Second time. You should. Um, <laughs> says I cause a ruckus with the ladies. <laughs> I don't. You don't see, see it. One. I brings the ruckus to the ladies. Oh so, causing a ruckus with the ladies. <laughs> where they look uh, at that headshot. That's power right there. That's a tribute jacket. How's it going, guys? <laughs> go to that you island. Google, no, I, if you ever, I did not if, go to that <laughs> island. No. Because the quote is, I brings the ruckus to the ladies. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to ask that. But there's, the, there's this artificial intelligence site that does um, quotes of uh, people and puts their picture on it. And they did a quote of Leon Black, but they took a quote from Curb Your Enthusiasm, Leon Black. Now it's, and here we are. It's really true. He could have said it, Pete. We just assumed it was 
Leon Black from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Maybe he did actually say that. Um, oh, by the way, are we rolling or is this just the prelim stuff? He just records because he forgot. When we, we actually did Rosemary's. <laughs> I didn't fucking forget. <laughs> <laughs> we did Rosemary's and then all of a sudden he emailed her back to us. Hey! And she was like, oh, Don. But no way was she going to come back. Maybe that, like an on-air awesome. light. An on-air we light. Bullshit, we got four minutes of it and it cut out. I wasn't sure how polished to make it. Uh, that, that's, I think, wasn't, I was going to maybe stop swearing if we were recording. Uh, you got no. PETA. You got PETA. No. So There's more guys shooting it. You got to remember, Pete, I was in a meeting with Ferguson, Brent, and Pete, and they were talking about something, and Pete just threw up his paper, slammed his fist in the ground, and said, I'm leaving, and walked out, and I was like, that's how every continue. Here I am. <laughs> and you wonder why you wonder why you got escorted out of the building. Yeah. No, he's really he's really Are we recording or not? You got not recording. Yeah. I just, oh, you yeah, no, you're again. on. We, you know, we Damn. I was just asking if they're if they're overriding you with uh, data. I mean you ask uh, yeah, the guy yeah. it's the time of day he tells you how to build a watch. Yeah. Gotcha. So it Welcome takes a few minutes to get a, the <laughs> machine <laughs> totally wound <laughs> up, heated up. Today, Junior. <laughs> you guys, is this is this real to real? How are you guys recording? Um, track. Yeah, we, Can you hear it? Can you hear Carney's Wi-Fi? Yeah, my Wi-Fi. <laughs> I do have a mesh Wi-Fi, and it still goes out. So he's got to climb up uh, the telephone pole to get it going. I send you notes. I give you notes to damn thing. This is what you do. You give this. Quick... What's the notes? This. You're listening. Say to... this is Bill Rosino. I'm sipping a white claw and I'm COO today. And you're listening to Sassos. <laughs> Hi, this is Bill Rosino. I'm the. Uh... All right, that was good. Sure. Come on, one take, Bill. Read the damn script. You never ever <laughs> read it. Ever. 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 I'm usually working right up until this occurs. All right, man. I see that. What in your third you, level of your basement? Yeah, come on, let's go. I am. You like that, huh? There for finance people. There's only three kinds of people in the world. Okay, those that can count and those who can't. <laughs> Pete, on, I, uh, Pete, I didn't get. Pete, I didn't get to, to share my recruiting philosophy with you, which you might appreciate. Which. You know, the that I use. Uh, if when you come back, if you do need a haircut, Pete is doing flobies uh, for okay. anybody for free. Good to know. Oh, he's he, doing flobies. I've always admired his do. Um, I think <laughs> it's grown out a couple since a couple of weeks it's ago, grown, Bill. You it's grown out it. about a centimeter. <laughs> <laughs> there is a she difference like between a, a two and a four. There she is. looks like a baby squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> is this thing recording <laughs> Jamie, Jamie you know uh it was you you just you just missed the we had a we had a terrible weather here a couple days ago I am in Florida awesome. yep oh sweet I'm gonna be there in two days but um it was like uh 58 degrees 20 mile an hour wind storms I think I saw a, a grown man steal some mittens from a woman um the Red Cross is on their way with us. Uh, I think they're going to be giving us Mai Tais or something. Uh, oh. The human was uh, it, casualties. It is was rough, he sitting in a folding chair? 